Welcome to Not Just a Sports Report. Diddly diddly ho, neighborino, and welcome to the NRL weekend wrap for round 20. Now, if you've listened to any of the weekend wrap podcasts before, you'd know that usually I'll start with the performance highlights across the round, player of the round, team of the round, rising star, things like that. Uh, But due to the nature of a busy weekend, I've got a couple of games I want to go back and watch before I finalize my player of the round, team of the round, and things like that. Uh, So today's pod, there won't be performance highlights. Those will be posted over on the Instagram, at Not Just a Sports Report, if you want to check those out. And today, it's a bit of a special edition. Uh, If you listened to the pod, which might be unlikely, you probably didn't, and I'm going to assume you didn't, uh, but after round nine for the weekend wrap, I did a special edition. So long-time listeners of the pod would know I've split the regular season into three lots. So round one to nine, that's my first third of the season. Uh, Obviously, you come off pre-season. Every team has that hope in their eye, uh, that belief that this could be the year. You know, for the top teams, this is a premiership year. For those bottom sides of the past few years, They come in with a refreshed enthusiasm, a lot of optimism uh, that this can be the year where they begin to turn things around. So round one to nine, uh, that's the first portion of the season. Then uh, magic round through origin. So after round nine, I did a weekend rap podcast. I said, basically, I split the competition as well. Sorry to make this a bit confusing into three tiers. So we have premiership contenders in the top tier. Uh, The second tier is in the mix. Sides, for example, like the Raiders, the Eels, who right now I don't have as outright premiership contenders, but they are most definitely in the mix. And then there's the bottom tier. Sides that by this point now, I've put a line through. Uh, So after round nine, I kind of summarized all of that. And there have been some changes. Some sides moving up. Some teams moving down. Uh, So today, I'm going to quickly go through the games, uh, but today's less about round 20 and the action over the weekend, and it's more so about looking at my second portion of this season. Arguably the hardest to navigate from Magic Round, where you have every fan base gathered in the one place. I mean, just a serious festival atmosphere. And that really... I believe is where the season kind of lifts to that next gear. So rounds one to nine, everyone's kind of establishing their footing on the ladder, uh, working out exactly where they kind of stand amongst the competition. And then from magic round, it just lifts to that next level. The origin period, all the crazy speculation uh, that surrounds the game. Of course, the origin buy rounds, teams missing crucial players uh, during contests. So it's the hardest part to navigate, but we have now wrapped up the Origin series. So that is the second part of the season completed, and now the third and final portion of the regular season, it's all about NRL. And more specifically, for a lot of these teams, it is all about the race to the finals. So today, gonna give some quick thoughts on each of the games, and then after I've given some thoughts, what I'm gonna basically do is just give a couple of extended thoughts on how their second portion of the season has been and where do I have them? Tier 1, Premiership Contenders, Tier 2, In the Mix, or Tier 3, Better Luck Next Time. So that is what is in store for today. Nothing else to do now, but get amongst it. The NRL Round 20 Weekend Wrap. Also, quick side note, we're coming off a perfect tipping week. Nothing to blow the trumpet about too crazy though. 
Uh, across my tipping competition, I wasn't the only one with a perfect week, so I don't think I was full-on Nostradamus on the preview podcast. It seems like, from a tipping perspective, maybe round 20 uh, was a bit of an easier one across the board, but still, I mean, there's your plug. Listen to the weekly previews. I'm spitting out perfect weeks for you. Anyway, uh, we kicked things off on Friday night with a battle of the ages, two heavyweights of the bottom of the ladder. Uh, Newcastle Knights, 34, West Tigers, 18. Uh, Not too much to say. Another tip, and this was a really easy one from the preview pod. Dom Young, anytime try scorer, scored a couple. Um, But yeah, Knights were just so far and away the better team here. Uh, Quick takeaways. Quick takeaways. Newcastle, Callum Ponga. We're starting to see him get back to his best. He's gone back to the fullback role, and over his last handful of performances, we're getting to see the best version of KP once again. A lot of times he was sweeping out over on that left side uh, and giving the Tigers' defense all sorts of issues. Kalen Ponga, really happy to see him return to form. Then you've got a guy like Bradman Best coming off an emphatic debut at origin level, And you can see very clearly that he's taken that confidence in his ability. And now he's brought that back to the Newcastle Knights. So for Knights fans, there's a lot to like. I'm going to say finals is definitely beyond you guys this year. But there's a lot to like. KP starting to hit his straps again. Bradman Best. Look, when he burst on the scene, he was killing it. But it has been a little while of up and down performances and it feels like that could really be the catalyst for Bradman Best uh, turning into the consistent world beater that we all believe he can be. Uh, So all the positives here with the Knights for the Tigers another loss. They've only won three times this year which is is pretty dreadful and there's reports coming out Scott Fulton the recruitment manager Benji Marshall not seeing eye to eye Uh, As far as signings, word coming out as well uh, that Benji looking at bringing Aidan Caesar to the club, who's returning to Australia from the UK. Uh, But reports, and these are only reports at this stage, it's making it sound like there's a a bit of issues or a few issues between Scott Fulton, Benji Marshall. And I read that there was an emergency meeting called by Lee Hadjip of fucking, I don't know what his last name is, sorry. Hadjip and Nellis, Had, I don't know. I don't know. I'll put a lot of effort into pronouncing the players' names, but I'm like, chairman, whatever. Justin Pascoe. Yeah, it's kind of funny that like they're calling the emergency meeting. It's like, who are you guys going to sack? Yourselves, for fuck's sake? Uh, but yeah, emergency meeting called, apparently. Tim Sheens, not invited. Like, for goodness sake, you wonder why the Tigers are so shit? It's things like that. Like, the players, yeah, they're the ones who miss the tackles and whatnot. But sometimes, you're almost set up to fail. And these Tigers players, I mean, with the way the organization operates, it's hard to go out and do your job when you play for such a mess of a club. And I'm getting frustrated because I would love to see the Tigers doing well. I like a lot of their players... Their fans have been through enough. Like, the fans have got the runs on the board of pain and misery to be able to say, all right, let's let's give them a good season to really boost their hopes. It's just not happening. Emergency meeting, no Tim Sheens. Making it seem like maybe Sheens is the problem, uh, but the one constant has been... Lee, I can't even remember what his name is. I think he owns Bryden's Lawyers as well. So I'm like, all right, fucking this guy, this guy. Him and Justin Pascoe, I doubt they're going to be going anywhere. So like, what the fuck? What's an emergency meeting going to do? Not much. Scott Fulton, Benji Marshall, they can hash out their differences. Cool. Well, you've also blindsided Tim Sheens by not inviting him. What a shit show. Not my club, not my problem, but I feel for Tigers fans. I, I really feel for Tigers fans. Because a lot of them, I mean, look at how Dragons fans were so quick 
to turn on Ben Hunt. Whereas Tigers fans, I don't see that. They do get frustrated at a lot of their plays, but they're loyal, almost loyal to a fault. And as a Warriors fan, especially given like we've been in somewhat similar positions, neither of us have been successful for at least a decade and then some, uh, but like now as a Warriors fan, obviously we're having this awesome season. It's a great time to be a Waz fan. And all the pain, all the failures of the last 10 or so years, it just makes it sweeter. And it's something I genuinely would love to have Tigers fans experience. And even as a neutral fan, I'm ready for the Tigers to get up and going again. I, I think we all are. And Knights, Knights haven't been one of the top teams for ages. And in the same token, like they haven't struggled like the Tigers have. Uh, there were times, obviously, coming off the Nathan Tinkler, Wayne Bennett era, uh, but Knights have had some steady years. They've got a bit of promise there. Uh, but Newcastle are another team where I'd actually love to see them, you know, being one of the top teams of the comp. So, yeah, Friday night started off with teams not really relevant in the finals race. And, yeah, I'll go back to what I said at the start of the podcast. Quick thoughts on their first third of the season. Uh, Tigers, <clears throat> excuse me, barely got a win. Barely got a win. So they were one of my worst teams of the first part. Uh, Knights, my first thing I said about uh, their first nine rounds, Ryan Nouns, nearly said that, fucking hell, uh, was that despite not always getting the results, I was really impressed uh, with Newcastle's attitude and effort. Because even when they were losing, they were giving it a red hot crack, uh, which is really all you can ask. So fast forward now, and we've just wrapped up the second portion of the season. Has there been much movement? Well, Newcastle at times, they've competed with the top teams, Penrith, the Broncos, unfortunately just failing to get the results. So again, the attitude is there. They're showing up. They're having a dig. It just seems like maybe there are a couple of elements missing that are holding Newcastle back from basically just closing out these games against top-level competition. Probably the highlight of the second portion, Knights 66, Bulldogs nil. That was really a shot in the arm of confidence. Uh, then they had the bye. Then they've come out and had another win. Bradman Best with a huge origin debut in between. Uh, so Knights, their second portion of the season, much like the first, I cannot fault their effort. The results, not there. Uh, and I do have them in my bottom tier of the competition. So better luck next year. But honestly, I think out of all the teams that I have in the bottom tier, if there was any side that I could say, I almost want to give you a pass mark, Newcastle Knights. Uh, because, yeah, some of these other lower teams, there are times where maybe the effort or desire could come into question. And I'm not really having that with the Knights. It seems more like they're just getting outclassed by more complete outfits. So Newcastle, not all doom and gloom, but they are in my bottom tier. Tigers, they're in the bottom tier. Their first third of the season was worse than anybody's. Second part of the season, there were some good moments. I mean, that 66-point uh, job on the Cowboys, it seemed like, okay, okay, we could be on here. Uh, but they've just regressed back. Luke Brooks going to Manly next year. Tigers have no halves. They literally have no halves for next year, except maybe Aiden Caesar now. And they're calling emergency meetings. That is bottom tier stuff, if ever I've heard it. So, yeah, both bottom tier clubs for mine. Uh, but Newcastle, I, I feel like their positioning on the ladder and where I have them in the bottom tier isn't fully reflective of the improvements they've made. I think my biggest takeaway with Newcastle is that they are improving. I just don't think right now uh, that they're improving at as rapidly a rate as some of the other clubs above them. Uh, but that means, look, they've got a good foundation. They've got some great players for next year. 
And one thing they need to tap into is their exceptional junior time, uh, time? team. I need to tap into my fucking English. Uh, but their junior side made the SG Ball Grand Final. Last year, from memory, they made the Jersey Flag Grand Final. So there are no shortage of very talented youngsters at the Knights. Uh, Miles Martin, one of them who just played in the under-19s Origin. Uh, so did Ethan Ferguson, who started the year at the Knights, already at the South Sydney Rabbitohs. Uh, so Newcastle, I think they need to find that balance where they can start bringing through some of these bright young stars. And they've got experience. The Saifiti twins up front, they've been around for a hot minute now. Uh, Tyson Frizzell, he's seen every level the game has to offer. Guys like Adam Elliott. Jack Hetherington, if he can fucking stay on the park for more than five minutes. So Newcastle, there's a foundation there to build with. Uh, but given that these are both bottom tier clubs, I'm going to leave it at that. And we're going to get to the next game. Uh, so yeah, Knights 34 over the Tigers 18. We'll have to see what the future holds. On to the Super Saturday action. And kicking us off, Broncos too good for the Bulldogs at Belmore. Uh, Bulldogs 24, Broncos 44. Uh, look, biggest takeaway from this, Josh Reynolds, who in the cup game beforehand uh, played his very final game and just what an amazing servant of the Bulldogs. Even as a neutral fan, uh, to watch Josh Reynolds' career play out the way it did, a guy who was never known for making rep teams, uh, coming through the grades, lands at the Bulldogs, uh, and then what he became for that side at the peak of their powers. Uh, and then, of course, being involved in the Blues team uh, that actually ended Queensland's famous, iconic streak. Uh, so Josh Reynolds, what a career, and congratulations to him. It's unfortunate he didn't get to bow out at NRL level, uh, but at the same time, I'm sure he would be stoked to have that final swan song in Bulldogs colours. So good on you, Josh. Uh, Jake Avarillo, one of the Bulldogs' best in this game. Jacob Preston continues to impress, but it was all Broncos. Adam Reynolds, the master, the general, led the side round the park. And like I said, they were just too good. Highlight of the game was probably Billy Walters going for the selfie try celebration and then Reed Marnie whacking it out of his hands. I saw a lot of comments of people being like, oh, that's so shit, it's for charity. Come on, I don't think Sportsbet, who are giving away the money, would see that and be like, oh, actually, we're not donating the money. That's not a complete celebration. And I saw another guy make a comment, which was kind of fair, but like also meh. And he's like, this is just virtue signaling. Sportsbet are just giving the money so that they can get you to gamble with them. And yeah, probably. Betting companies are fucking... They're not pure. They're not the most wholesome organizations but the way i think about it do i have fucking 10 grand a pop five grand a pop to give out for every try celebration no i don't and it's going to charity so sometimes it's just like shut up it's going to charity who cares if they're doing it so that we gamble with them unless you're going to step in and give the money to charity then why don't we just zip it and let it happen so yeah try july it is going on it's going off as well. Uh, but yeah, Broncos too good. As far as the season summary, uh, Bulldogs first part of the season, not so great. And for the second portion, I actually think they got worse for the majority of it. Of course, the Knights game, 66-0. Then the bounce back against uh, the Bunnies last weekend. But ultimately, this one pretty easy. Bulldogs in my bottom tier of the competition. Now, I see that changing pretty soon. I really do. But as far as 2023, that's where the Bulldogs are. Bottom tier, better luck next year. Whilst for the Broncos, there was no team other than maybe the Rabbitohs are coming out of that first portion of the season that I was more impressed with. Broncos were doing everything right. And I tell you what, this second portion of the season, the most challenging, given that 
origin affected, no Reese Walsh at times, no Payne Haas, including in this game, uh, no Patrick Carrigan, no Flegler. Like, they've been hit by origin, and yet they come out the other side. Broncos are in my top tier of the competition. I have them as genuine premiership contenders. Obviously, last year, it was the third and final portion of the season where they came undone. Uh, but from from my eye test, this is a different Broncos team. You can make these mistakes, and it's very possible that you can actually learn from these experiences to stop it from happening again. Uh, so Broncos, not only do I have them in the top tier as a premiership contender, I'm going to call it, I actually think they are the biggest contenders to knock off the Panthers who have run this competition for the last couple of years. Broncos, they're in my top tier. They are premiership contenders, and now it's their biggest test. They have to finish and finish strong, set themselves up with a top two finish. You get your first game at Suncorp, win that, you get a prelim at Suncorp. That is a pretty juicy road to the grand final. So for the Broncos, without their origin stars here, getting the win. And my biggest concern for them was that they would fall apart without a Haas, without a Carrigan, without a Reese Walsh. And they haven't. Uh, so all the tests, all the little assignments I was handing out to the Broncos, they passed every single one of them with flying colours. Now they've had their origin players have a rest in this round and they set themselves for a big premiership push. So Bulldogs, they are the lowest tier of the competition. Uh, but out of the bottom tier teams, I think Bulldogs may just have the brightest future. So not all doom and gloom. We're talking strictly 2023. Bottom tier, Broncos at the tippity top. Next up, Four Pines Park in Sydney. Pretty close game. Cowboys 19, Sea Eagles 8. There you go. I did mention, I think it was 10th versus 9th in this contest. Seagulls, this really was a game they needed to win. Uh, especially with Matt Lodge incoming. If you listen to the preview pod, uh, you'd know about the Matt Lodge curse, which I've coined. But Dean Madison, quick congratulations to Dean Madison, 25 years old, scoring a try on debut, has had to work for it, played in the lower grades, he played for the Mounties, from memory. I think he may have even played for, like, Wentworthville. He's been around. He's played for a few teams. Uh, so now Dean Madison finally gets that crack. Good to see him score a try. Uh, but Cowboys, this run continues, doesn't it? Unbelievable effort. Guys like Semi Valme, who ran for 243 metres. Scott Drinkwater, who is in the form of his life right now. And Cowboys... Look, I'll say it right now, uh, from the first portion of the season, Cowboys were in my bottom tier of the competition. I thought they were the most disappointing side heading into that second stage, while Seagulls were actually going a little bit better last time I checked in. So I had them in tier two in the mix. Uh, now, coming through the second portion of the season, Manly. They've now lost Tom Trebojevic. We saw that when they were without Jake, uh, they really fell apart in the middle. They lost a lot of their edge. They've been challenged by injury. Uh, we've seen Luke Brooks sign with the club. They're letting a few guys go. There's a bit happening at Manly. Uh, but after the first nine rounds, I had them in tier two in the mix. Right now, I also have them in tier two, but they are hanging on by a thread. There are a couple of losses away from being ruled out of the finals race. I thought this was a game, if Manly were to go on and play finals, that they had to win, and they didn't. So, Seagulls, they're not done yet. That's basically where I have them. As far as them making the eight, I'm going to say no, but they're still in the mix. Whilst Cowboys, no team in this competition has managed to turn things around in such dramatic fashion, more so than North Queensland. 
Now, coming out of the first portion of the season, I had nothing but bad things to say. I thought they're flat, the shortened pre-season. Like, there were factors as to why they were struggling, but they were going so much worse. So much worse than we thought they should be. Of course, people had them winning the premiership. So at one stage, Cowboys, sitting down the bottom of the ladder, I had them in my bottom tier of the comp. Now, they've moved up a tier. They're in the mix, but they're not just in the mix because they are playing as hot a brand of football as anyone at the moment. And it feels like if North Queensland find themselves in the final series, they are going to give any team they come up against a mountain of trouble. So Cowboys, uh, from that first part, they were the most disappointing, uh, most awful team outside of the Tigers. Fast forward to now and just look at them. They are humming another win over Manly and now with each passing week, Cowboys having a real crack at the Premiership becomes more and more likely. So once again, I think it's kind of reflective of where both these teams are at. Manly good, but not great, failing to rack up the wins, whilst North Queensland, they are getting the two competition points week in and week out. So Todd Payton, I think it seemed to really take a turn after the Tigers put 66 points on them. That seemed to be kind of where they bottomed out. And what we've seen since has been nothing short of incredible. And I think one of my biggest points I'd like to make is that we did see early in the season, Scott Drinkwater missed something like four weeks uh, for a high shot on Corey Oates. And that kind of coincided with the Cowboys playing very poorly. Ever since Scott Drinkwater has come back, it's been like a completely different footy side. So he would be the guy I pinpoint as the real X factor for North Queensland. But once again, their halves are starting to click. Tom Dearden playing phenomenally. Uh, Chad Townsend leading the team around the park. And then you've got guys like Jeremiah Nanai, who had a slow start to the season. Now he's right back uh, to where he was last year. Ruben Cotter killing it. Jason Tamalolo, who now, he isn't as essential as he once was, which can only be a good thing because now there are plenty of guys in that pack that are carrying their weight, which allows JT to do what he does best, be a damaging ball runner. So that's where I have the teams. Manly, they are still in the mix, but probably not for much longer. Whilst the Cowboys, they're moving up in the world. They've gone up to tier two, and I'm not ruling out a move into that top tier as genuine premiership contenders. Did someone say KSC? Because there are a bunch of fried chickens in this competition. Roosters 16, Storm 30. Said it in the preview podcast. Roosters, one more loss. I'm putting a line through them. Done. They're not making finals. It's round 20. I think a lot of us, for most of the season, thought, all right, at some point, they're going to click into gear. It's too late. It's actually too late. Uh, Now... Congrats to Daniel Tupo on a bright note, uh, who's equaled the record for Anthony Minicello at the Roosters, top try scorer in Roosters history. So Daniel Tupo, what a guy. Uh, But it was actually Xavier Coates who was the winger that stood out. A hat-trick in this game, a hat-trick last time they met earlier this year as well. And that was all there was to it. Storm the better team, not just in this game, Uh, but throughout the entire year. So Roosters, now this is the interesting one. Coming into Magic Round, Roosters I had in the top tier of the competition. Despite their poor form, they were a top tier team. I thought there is still too much within this side to put them any lower than Premiership contention. Now that we're coming out of the second portion of the season, Roosters are in the bottom tier. They've dropped down from premiership contenders, and now they're not even in the mix. I've put a line through them. Their season's done. And as far as where it's all gone wrong, that's a conversation for another day. 
But that's my biggest takeaway from this uh, from this game. Roosters are done. They're not playing finals this year. I'm putting a line through them, and I'm not hesitating to do so. They're not going to go on a run. They've lost seven of their past nine. They're not going to go on a run. And even if they do, they've left themselves way too much to do. We've just finished round 20. So, Roosters, what the hell happened there? Not quite sure. But there you go. Coming out of the first portion, despite some very poor form, I had them in the top tier. Now, bottom tier of the comp, which is disgraceful. It's disgraceful. They have representative players galore. Nick Politis fucking has money coming out the wazoo. They have all the resources. They have all the players. They have the coaching staff. They have literally everything they could need. Throw in some third-party deals to really sweeten it up. They have everything they need, and they didn't get it done. So I feel like they just decide that, yeah, they thought this game was played on paper, and it hasn't been. They just, more often than not, haven't shown up with the right attitude. And that's coming from a guy who never shows up with the right attitude. So, you know, I'm not being too critical, you know. Glass houses. But I'm talking about the NRL here, so I feel like it needs to be said. The Roosters' attitude hasn't been there. The effort hasn't been there. It's felt like... All the intangibles of the game, like those real small details and the effort areas that win you games, it feels like Sydney just, they haven't leaned into that this year. They've just tried to go the easiest possible route to get a win, and it hasn't worked. So that's where I'm at with the Roosters. I am now officially ruling them out of the finals race, which is huge. I'm pretty sure they were favourites at the start of the season to win the Premiership. And it just, it hasn't worked out. And I'll tell you this for free, it's not going to work out for the rest of the year. There's no miracle run to come. If there is, we can pull up this audio, I'll take my licks. But they're not, they're not making finals. Which is outrageous. It's outrageous. So there we go. Roosters, from the top, from the penthouse to the shithouse, essentially. Whilst Melbourne Storm, coming into Magic Round... But they had a bit of a turbulent start to the season. I still had them as premiership contenders. They were in my top tier. Any side coached by Craig Bellamy with guys like Cameron Munster, Harry Grant and the likes, you just you got to pay them the respect. So even whilst I thought Melbourne Storm definitely weren't my first pick to win the comp this year, I had them in the top tier. Fast forward now, coming out of the origin period, and I still have them there. Melbourne, 100% premiership contenders. Uh, They do seem to lack a little bit comparatively to your Broncos and your Panthers at the moment. And I think that was highlighted in the game at Marvel Stadium, where Melbourne shot out to a lead. They were all over the Panthers, especially in the Ford pack. Uh, But they couldn't maintain that for the full 80 minutes against a Panthers side that are the benchmark of the comp. So I do still think Melbourne Storm, they might be a couple of fries short of a Happy Meal, but they've got to be premiership contenders. Like, I cannot justify bumping them out of the top tier. Craig Bellamy knows exactly what it takes to lead a side to premiership success. You've got key players throughout this entire team, and they're in the top four. So as it stands, Melbourne, I had them as premiership contenders. In fact, funnily enough, these were two sides that I had in the top tier. And look at us now. Roosters, bottom tier. They are now a bottom feeder of this competition. Whilst Melbourne Storm, despite so many losses, not just experience-wise, but also specifically in the Ford pack, there's been a huge void left there, and we've seen guys like Trent Loyero really step up to the plate and own their positions. And Melbourne Storm, like I said, they're not my first pick to win the comp this year, but they are very clearly still in that top tier of the comp. So big win for the Storm to keep their season going, whilst for the Roosters, I'm going to have to take a page out of Dan Ganane's book hit them with a big old goodbye.
All right. Well, then we got on to Super Sunday. And as a Warriors fan, well, I guess this song could probably sum up the start to the Saturday. Seriously fucking horny stuff. Warriors 44, Sharks 12. 12, would you believe? I did not see that coming. I tipped the Warriors, but I did not see that coming. Two sides in the top eight who probably haven't had the best of form are up against top quality opposition. So like I said in the preview, we're going to find out a lot about both of these teams. And I'm very happy as a Waz fan about what we found out. 44 to 12. Really good to see young Rocco Berry are starting to hit his straps. Sean Johnson, uh, the man of the moment, got a huge reception for them uh, from the crowd, running out for game 201. Everyone, everyone was on form. Adam Fanua Blake killed it. Dallin Wateni's a Lesniak. From 1 to 17, everyone played their role to perfection, and I couldn't be happier. Throw in the fact that Jazz Tavanga still to return, uh, who I think is going to be a massive addition, and I'm up and about. The lid is off. The lid is well and truly flying off. As for the Sharks, I've identified this before with the Cronulla Sharks, that there are some issues. We saw it against the Broncos. We saw it against the Dolphins. We've seen it a couple of other times as well. So much so to the point now where Cronulla find themselves with the flat track bullies tag. So they came into this one sitting in the top four, definitely not a reflection of where the Cronulla Sharks are at. And I think this now, it puts them under a microscope. So Warriors, I could talk about that win for hours, but I'm not going to. Uh, but my goodness, I am just so stoked. Like I am a ride or die fan. I'm not one of these Dragons fans burning pictures of their star player when he requests a release. Like through thick and thin, I've been there. And so it feels fucking so good. I saw a video as well in the Warriors uh, fan group on Facebook. And it was this fella, full Warriors kit, Venga boys, we like to party. He's dancing, he's got a beer in hand. And I'm like, fuck, that visual is exactly where I'm at right now. Venga boys, we like to party. We love to party. 44 to 12. And it's round 20. Like when we were playing well earlier in the season, I kept saying, a lot of footy to be played. Now, the only footy to be played is the most important footy of the entire season. And we sit in fifth spot. I'm delighted. I'm just so stoked. I'm stoked for every Warriors fan uh, that has ridden the lows just like I have. I am stoked for all the boys in our squad who, at different points in their careers, they are all coming together and delivering big time. I am so happy for the coach, Andrew Webster. I'm just so fucking happy. So happy. Uh, for the Cronulla Sharks, gee whiz, I cannot imagine their fans would be happy. Uh, but on a positive note, look, there is heaps that this team needs to work on. Uh, but on a positive note, when you look at where the Sharks are at on the ladder, if they can get things right in the lead up to the finals, they're still a premiership contender. But the thing is, I felt like this second portion of the season was where Cronulla were going to start to hit form. And I felt like right about now was when they were supposed to be hitting their absolute peak. And they are very far from it. That was one of their worst performances of the entire season. So it is concerning for the Sharks. And I must say, uh, as far as my tier system, I've got both of these sides in tier two. Now, as a Warriors fan... Look, in my heart of hearts, I've got us in tier one. We're in this to win this. I would fucking love our first premiership. But trying to be realistic, I've got us in the mix, tier two. We've never won a premiership before, so obviously it's a big ask 
There are teams most definitely ahead of us. Your Storms, your Broncos, your Panthers. So Warriors, I've got them in the second tier right now. But I tell you what, if we can finish top six, I really think we can trouble any team in this comp. And I know we've lost to the Panthers this year. We've lost to the Storm. And we have had the tendency uh, to lose to the top of the crop teams. We even lost to an understrength Rabbitohs team lost to an understrength Broncos side. So I think that's why I still have us in tier two. We haven't quite shown that next level to be able to get the wins uh, over the best of the best. I don't give a shit. I'm so happy. I'm so stoked. And I genuinely believe, and I always have, just given the players that we have and kind of the expansive style, that Warriors can trouble anyone come finals from anywhere. From even from 8th. And I genuinely uh, believe that. So to see that we are sitting 5th, competing for a spot in the top 4, oh, it's just, it's been a really long time. And I honestly forgot how exciting a footy season is. Because I still tune into every game I have for years and years and years. But it just hits so different when your team's going well, especially when they haven't been for the longest time. It feels so, so good. And I want to share that love around. I hope Tigers fans, I hope Dragons fans, I hope Bulldogs fans, I hope you guys get to experience this really soon because it feels good and it feels better for riding out the lows. So stick with your team, even if it's really shit right now, because I'm telling you, it feels amazing. And it feels even better when you've had to kind of go through some rough patches. So Warriors, I've got them in tier two. Sharks, after the first nine rounds of the competition, I had them in tier one. I had them as a premiership contender. No more. I've bumped them down to tier two. I feel like during the regular season, the Sharks, pretty strong team. But my main perception is that in games where there's a finals-like intensity, they don't tend to show up. Uh, so for that reason, I can no longer have the Sharks in my Premiership contender tier. They've also conceded 50 points, which history would suggest they're not going to win the Premiership. And I just thought this was a game that was going to tell us a lot about the Sharks. And in this case, it hasn't told us anything good. So I'm bumping them down. They are still most definitely in the mix. So they're in tier two. But there is a lot of stuff they need to work on. And they've got the players. So look, I'm not, I'm not giving up on the Sharks yet. I still think they're going to be a factor come the finals. But that has been the difference. In the second portion of the competition, this Sharks team, which literally was not affected by Origin, whatsoever outside of one game where they were missing Nico Hines this should have been the time where they really started banking up the wins and realistically the fact that they had their best available team for them through the second portion this was the time for them to iron out their flaws now we've just seen a heap of their flaws exposed over the weekend and you're on the run to finals now, there is a lot less time to be able to try and iron out these deficiencies and get yourselves rolling into the final series. So Cronulla, look, I don't always judge a team on their losses. I like to see how they bounce back. Uh, so we will cast our attention to the Sharks in round 21. But those are the movements. Warriors, from the first portion, I had them in tier 2. And that is where I still have them, but in my heart of hearts, tier 1. Whilst Sharks, I had them in Tier 1 for the longest time. I felt like they were a real genuine threat. But this isn't the only performance this season that has been quite alarming as far as Sharks being able to compete with the top sides. So Cronulla have a lot of work to do. And it will be interesting to see, uh, given how established their top 13 has been, I mean, you pretty much know who their team's going to be week to week. It's always 
Kennedy, Katoa Molotalo, Talakai, Ramian, Moylan Hines, etc., etc. I wonder, are we going to see a couple of changes? Maybe that's what needs to happen here, but I'll leave that in the hands of Craig Fitzgibbon. So coming out of this one, like my weekend's made. I genuinely, I feel so good. I feel so good. Uh, so Sharkies, yeah, we'll see what happens there. But as for the Warriors, the lid's off. The lid is well and truly off. Alright, then we moved on to KO Stadium in Redcliffe. Gee whiz, imagine trying to get into KO Stadium. You fucking scan your ticket, buffers for half an hour, skips back. Next minute, you're fucking on public transport on the way to the stadium. I'd imagine that's what KO Stadium's like. Anyway, uh, 14, Dolphins, Panthers, 24. No Cleary, no Origin players whatsoever. Uh, but it was this Panthers side getting it done again. Admirable effort from the Dolphins, uh, but Isaac Tungo, and again, like, look, don't want to blow my own trumpet, but the round 20 preview, I was spitting some calls out there that all came true. The other one, when I previewed this game, Isaac Tungo, he was my player in focus, scored a double, and just such a damaging player, such a damaging player. Since he has come back into the side uh, from injury, He's been in the best form of his life. And the more we see Isaac Tungo continue to play like this, the less we talk about the fact that Stephen Crichton is leaving next year. Such is the Penrith system. They lose these huge players and there's always someone ready to step up. Even with no Brian Toto, Tom Jenkins comes into the side, scores a double. Uh, so the Panthers system doing what it does as far as the second portion of the season, Panthers A+, Dolphins, this is where it's kind of gone a little bit pear-shaped for them. And I don't mean this in a critical way at all. I've loved what they've done. Um, but first portion of the season, I had Dolphins in Tier 2, uh, but I had nothing but praise for them. Nothing but praise. And I was so excited to see where they were going to go uh, as far as the short term as in the rest of the season. And my biggest takeaway from the first portion was that we cannot count out the Dolphins in any game. You just can no longer tip against the Dolphins with confidence because they continue to show up. And even here against Penrith, they gave a great account of themselves. But yeah, this second portion of the season, it's been a bit bumpy. They've found themselves dropping out of the eight uh, but I've got Dolphins in Tier 2. Now, they're pretty close to dropping to the bottom tier. And by bottom tier, I don't mean like the shittest of the shit. Bottom tier means you're not playing finals this year, essentially. So I don't think Dolphins now are going to be able to have enough of a turnaround to compete in the finals this year. But still, I, again, I don't mean that in a critical way. Nothing but positive things to say about this Dolphins side. Uh, but yeah, I've got them in Tier 2. They're in the mix, but they can't afford many losses, if any. Whilst Panthers, Tier 1 Premiership contenders, goes without saying, that is still the case. We've now gone through the origin period, which they have been heavily affected by. They've got out unscathed. Cleary has been injured. They still haven't lost a step with Jack Cogger at halfback. Penrith, no-brainer. Not only are they in the top tier of the comp, they're the team to beat, and they were my preseason prediction uh, for Premiers, and I still have that as the case until the Warriors beat them. <laughs> but yeah, Panthers, they're the team to beat. I think they're going to go all the way again. And I mean, you look at their team. Like, yes, they have all these Origin players, but they also have some Kiwis, like Leota, and Fisher-Harris, uh, they've got guys like Scott Sorensen, you've got Isaac Tungo. So it's not just these origin representatives. This whole team are just playing to perfection, or as close to perfection as you can. Nobody or nothing is perfect. But Panthers, they're the team to beat. They are still top tier, top of the crop. Dolphins, I think over the next two to three weeks, 
we'll find out. Are they a tier two? Are they in the mix? Or are we gonna start looking toward next year? Okay, we'll get in the last game of the round and then we'll finish off with Ladder Watch, which of course the ladder is not an exact reflection of where everyone's at, but it's always fun to finish off with. Uh, so we ended the round, Eels 25, Titans 24. That's brutal. Titans lose golden point last week, then they lose by one point here. Uh, but I want to hark back to what I said in the preview. Their defense. I tipped Eels and I just said, Titans defense. They're not a top eight team and it's because of their defense. Well, that was the case here. You can't concede 25 points or 24 points and realistically expect to win. Now, Eels conceded 24 points, uh, but there's a difference. Mitchell Moses and the field goal. And I just thought Eels were the better team throughout the game anyway. Now, Clint Gutherson, a bit of a contentious try. Did he or didn't he ground the ball in time? I think he did. And again, that just comes down Titans defense. He shouldn't have even had the opportunity. We saw a couple of sin bins as well. That Regan Campbell-Gillard one on Chris Randall, leading in with the knees straight to the back, that was a nasty one. And, like, there was an intent. Regan Campbell-Gillard's not going out there like, I'm going to fucking potentially break this guy's back, uh, but just reckless. And I do think RCG is going to spend a bit of time on the sidelines for that. Uh, as for the Mike Acevo Sinbin, goodness gracious, fucking... I don't want to talk about it. So yeah, there were some sin bins. There were a few moments. 25-24 didn't surprise me. Gold Coast, their defense. It's what stops them. And in this game per se, their defense didn't lose it for them, but it certainly didn't win the game for them either. Uh, so with that, Parramatta in the first portion of the season, I had them in tier two, but they were awful. They were really, really poor in the first part. Uh, and then to see what they've done over the second portion of the season, they've won pretty much every game through that stretch. They did lose to the Warriors, but that was without Gutherson, that was without Moses, Campbell Gillard. So they were without some pretty handy names in that game. And we've seen now, back to their full complement, and boom, another win on the board. So Parramatta, I've still got them in Tier 2 in the mix, uh, but where I have them now, and where I had them going into Magic Round, they're in a significantly better position to challenge for the comp this year. Uh, but I don't have them in Tier 1. I don't have them as Premiership contenders quite yet. But that remains to be seen, and that could change. If they can finish the season strong, and find themselves in and around that top four, there's certainly a chance. But right now... I've got Eels in Tier 2, and I've got Titans in Tier 2 as well, uh, but I'm I'm saying probably one more loss, and that's them done. And I just don't think they're going to make finals anyway, uh, but they've played slightly above bottom tier football. I think they're still in the mix, probably mathematically, but yeah, defense. They're not playing finals. I'll say that right now. Gold Coast Titans are not playing finals. Happy to be proven wrong. Gold Coast is an area that just, especially like in league, but AFL as well, like Gold Coast just never seems to be a thriving area for sport. And I would love that to change. It is only good for rugby league as a whole if the Gold Coast Titans can really start to click into gear. And I think with Des Hasler coming on board, hopefully they hold on to Fafita and Tino I don't think Gold Coast are as far off reaching their potential as it seems right now. Uh, but as far as 2023, I've got them in tier two, a whisker away from dropping into the bottom tier. So there you go. I've been through all the games across round 20. Uh, and of course, this was a special edition. So usually I would talk all about the games. I apologize if you wanted you know, more of that content specifically talking about round 20, uh, but it's a significant round. Like I said, three parts to the regular season, round one to nine, that's been completed. Now the second portion is done 
And that only leaves the third, final, and most exciting portion of the regular season, the run home to finals. It is going to be a banger. And now, any team that is relevant in the finals race, these games, they're just going to have so much extra intensity. These teams who meet up with each other, who are competing for spots, we're going to see finals like footy a little bit earlier than September because it is going to kick off from round 21. So there we go. We now head in to the final third of this regular season and let's check out the ladder to finish off and see where everyone's sitting heading in to this crucial stage. As always, I like to start from the bottom and go to the top. I don't like to finish on a negative note. Uh, So last place, Tigers. 17 games, three losses. I mean, three wins, not three losses. Fuck, that would be huge. Three losses. 14 losses, unfortunately for them. Uh, So Tigers have actually had as many buys as they've had wins. Pretty dog shit. I did see as well, Lee, no, I'm, uh, I don't have his last name in front of me, and I don't want to butcher it, like Hedger Palantis, I don't know. Don't know, to be honest, don't really care, uh, but apparently he's going on 360 tonight. And I almost never watch 360, because like, fuck, if I wanted to hear old dudes screaming over the top of each other, I'd probably just go down to the tab down the road and watch all the fucking weird old dudes who, I'm like, how do you... How are you here? What do you do for a job? It's like Tuesday afternoon. Why are you watching the dogs? Uh, but yeah, that's the kind of energy 360 gives. Although Gordon Tallis, Braith and Asta, that's a bit of a shake-up I like. Uh, but at the same time, like a lot of these shows like 360, and there are a few others around, not just NRL as well, but they're just more negative, negatively geared. You know, like when they talk about things, they're more likely to talk about what's going wrong than what's going right. Whereas I'm just, I'm an optimistic guy. I'm a positive guy. I don't like to dwell on all the negativity. So I try to stay clear of 360. I find a lot of the issues that they're screaming about. I'm like, you know what? In the grand scheme of this world we live in, like, is it really a huge deal? Like what we're talking about here? I mean, for goodness sake, outside of Australia, outside of basically New South Wales and Queensland, no one gives a shit, really. So, yeah, and I mean that respectfully as possible. But yeah, sometimes when they're screaming, like I remember one Cooper Cronk a couple of years ago, I did some training as a coach at the Storm and the Roosters, and they're blowing up like, is this a conflict of interest? Like, you can't do both, you can't do both. And sometimes you just got to look at the bigger picture of life and say, do I really need to sit here for fucking half an hour and listen to this argument? Like, how important is this Cooper Cronk Cronk situation, which is just an example, but how important is this really in the grand scheme of life? Which isn't what it's always about. I mean, football is a beautiful escape sometimes from life anyway. Uh, But I just feel like they're a bigger fish to fry. And 360, a lot of the time, they go all in on things that really, I just think it's disproportionate. The fury and the rage and the negativity. I just think it's disproportionate. So I try not to tune in. I'll tune in every now and then. It's great production. You do get some great insight from Braith. I love the addition of Gordon Tallis. But yeah, journalists, I'm like, you know, we've got the journalists at the desk. That's about when I switch off. I'm like, okay, well, I don't really care, to be honest. But anyway, what I was going back to, Mr. Lee H. Had you, Mr. Lee, Mr. Lee, uh, chairman of the West Tigers, he's going on 360 tonight. And they're going to grill him about the secret meeting and everything. So that's the kind of disproportionate negativity that I can get around. And I will be tuning in tonight. That is something I'm genuinely curious about. And yeah, they're going to roast him. They're going to roast him. Which is funny because they wouldn't roast their own uh, co-host who allegedly strangled a woman. But I mean, fuck Lee Hedger Patelis or whatever his name is. He's having secret meetings. That's so bad. So we're going to grill him about that. 
and I will be tuning into 360 because I feel like that'll be good value. And I fucking love Buzz Rothfield. Like, yeah, the negativity, disproportion, all that shit. He falls under that category. Um, but I, I love Buzz. I don't know why, but he just makes me laugh, you know, and he's like genuinely almost senile at times. So it's just, it is a laugh, you know. He'll be talking about Penrith Panthers winger Brian Two, and it's like, oh my goodness, Buzz, come on. So yeah, he he's someone I like. I genuinely get a good laugh out of Buzz. But Tigers sitting 17th, their chairman, going to have plenty uh, to answer for. Dragons in 16th, Bulldogs 15th. Uh, so Bulldogs on 16 points. And then you've got Roosters, who are actually only two wins outside of the top eight in 14th. Uh, but I've said it before, one more loss, I'm putting a line through them. They just lost. I'm putting a line through them. Mathematically, they can still do it. They can still go on a big run. Yeah, that's mathematics. I was never a huge fan of mathematics at school. So I'm putting a line through the Roosters. And yeah, if I get proven wrong, whatever. But yeah, they're bottom tier of the competition now. Dolphins in 13th, also on 20 points, as are the 12th place Titans. So all three of those clubs need a win next up. From memory, I think Dolphins have the bye, uh, which should serve them well, because that will give them that two competition points they need to stay in touch with the eight. Uh, but for sides like Titans and Roosters, I mean, they have a lot to play for, round 21. Seagulls on 21 points in 11th. Shit the bed, Knights, 10th. I actually didn't see that. They're only three points out of the eight. I still have them in the bottom tier of the comp. I still... Doubt they're going to play finals. But hell yeah. Hell yeah to Newcastle Knights. They have, funnily enough, exceeded my expectations. I thought they were probably going to run around last this year. And whilst I've ruled them out of finals, I'm not a hater. I'll be delighted, unless they take the Warriors spot. Uh, I'll be delighted if Newcastle can actually go on a run from here and play finals footy. Good luck to them. Hopefully they can, uh, can get on a bit of a roll. Then on 24 points, equal with 7th and 8th, but sitting in 9th, the Cowboys, uh, who, look, we've said it before, or I've said it before, if any team is going to make a run of significance from outside the 8, it's going to be the Cowboys. Then in 8th spot, you've got the Rabbitohs, who will be trying to defend their position in the finals. Uh, Parramatta in 7th place, Sharks move from the top 4, down to sixth position and then no certainty of being a guarantee to play finals so big few weeks coming up for the sharks in fifth place in fifth place we were fourth until the raiders got their two points for the bye warriors in fifth place i have only one thing that i can say about that Fucking earth, hopefully. Hopefully we can push for that top four spot. So big few weeks coming up as a Wiles fan. And I'm up and about. I'm well and truly up and about. In fourth place, actually my second team, family team. I grew up in New Zealand, but dad's from Canberra. So a team that I also love very much, the Raiders, sitting in fourth. You want to know something very, very juicy? Round 21. Warriors against the Raiders. Fucking hell. How good. How good. Oh, I'm so pumped. I'm actually so pumped. So Warriors versus Raiders. That, as I was saying before, how there are some finals-like games coming well before September, there's one of them right there with top four implications. Raiders and Warriors. 
Top eight, maybe, but to be at this stage, a game with top four implications? Yeah, boy. Third place, Melbourne Storm, coming off that Roosters win. A Storm in a pretty good spot. Like the Raiders, only one win behind the Panthers and the Broncos. Uh, although the Broncos still with a bye to come. Broncos in second place, and Panthers sitting top of the table. There's your ladder, and it sets us up beautifully for round 21. So on Wednesday, I'm going to be dropping the round 21 preview podcast. Going to be going through all the games, and unlike today, I'm going to be focusing strictly on the games of the round. So rather than talking about the season as a whole, we're going to keep it strictly round 21, and there are some banger games ahead of us, just like Warriors and Raiders, but that certainly isn't the only one. So I cannot wait to launch into that podcast, and of course, I will be posting my round 20 performance highlights over on the Instagram, at NotJustASportsReport. So if you'd like to know who my round 20 player of the round is, team of the round, talking points, all things like that, you'll be able to find it over on the Instagram, at NotJustASportsReport. That has been it for today, though. I feel like I've covered everything I needed to. We've hit just over the hour mark, so why not call it there? Thank you very much for listening. As always, I appreciate your support. And until the Round 21 preview podcast, take care of yourselves and have a bloody ripper.